So welcome back again to Come and See Inspirations. I said, my name is John Kelly. Joined in studio this morning by Michael Keaton and Anne. And Shane joins us on the Skype line. And this morning, we're going to reflect on St. Patrick. Uh, St. Patrick's week, uh, St. Patrick's feast day is on next Saturday, the 17th of March. And uh, Michael's joined us this morning. And Michael, you, you want to take a little bit of a different tack this morning than the ones we've been reflecting on over the last few years. Where would you like to start, Michael? Well, I suppose, as Shane said, next Saturday is St. Patrick's Day. It's a solemnity and the Holy Day of Obligation. And it's so easy to forget. We still have Holy Days of Obligation. Yeah. Um, I should have done it years ago, some people would tell you. <laughs> no, St. Patrick's Day is still a Holy Day of Obligation, and we're obliged to go to Mass and celebrate. You know. And what are we celebrating next Saturday? I hope we're honouring St. Patrick... He brought us Christianity. He was the first bishop of our man, primate of all Ireland. And he was a man that brought Christianity into Ireland and converted us from paganism. And that's really the reason, John, why we should be dancing and singing in the streets. Mm. Um, it's such a great gift to have the faith. And we thank Patrick for bringing us that faith. And we should really celebrate it. Of course we should celebrate it. But some of the celebrations nowadays seem to be gone in a different direction altogether. I was reading an article there lately, and it, said, it was referring to Ireland, and it said St. Patrick's Day used to be a religious festival, now it's a cultural festival. It's mm-hmm. you know. mm-hmm. good to celebrate our culture too, of course, but, of course, but it's still the basic thing, it's a religious festival. Um, no, who was St. Patrick? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, historians, of course, disagree. There are different dates for his birth, but... Well, say the 5th century, somewhere between, what, 380, sorry, the 4th, somewhere between 385, maybe 370 to 385, somewhere in that That's time right, he was yeah, born. Yeah. And he tells us he was born in England. And um, the first thing we know is from the latest confessor, which is a document he left us, hmm. which is his own writing, is the sheer humility of the man. A man so aware of his own weaknesses and frailties. He starts off the very first line, I, Patrick, a sinner, most unleavened, the least of all the faithful, and utterly despised by many. Isn't that so? I tell up to the Gospel, John, we must admit that we're a sinner. Mm. And um, he tells us in that he was captured in England, and he gives the reason why. He said, I did not know the true God. I was taken in captivity to Ireland with many thousands of people, and deservedly so, because we turned away from God and did not keep his commandments and did not obey our priests, we used to remind us of our salvation. And um, a bit like the Old Testament urgent, the Israelites, when they turned away from God, how many times were they taken into captivity? You know, we've had it, they've been taken to Babylon, and we've, we have the Psalms about it and songs about it and everything. And um, very often when they rejected God, these things happened in those days. But Patrick, as we know from our school books, I suppose, was came to Ireland. Now, we were told he was minding pigs and slave mish. He says himself to sheep in his confessor. He means it makes no difference. Um, and I'm just, I was reading there, what brought him back to God? He says he did not know the true God. And um, certainly I read, the secret is prayer. Mm-hmm. And um, he says in his confessor, he says, But after I came to Ireland, every day I had to tend sheep, and many times a day I prayed. The love of God and his fear came to me more and more, and my faith was strengthened. So we see that his faith was strengthened by the prayer. And my spirit was moved so that in a single day I would say as many as a hundred prayers and almost as many at night. <clears throat> and this even when I was staying in the woods, the mountains, I used to get up 
prepare before daylight to snow, to frost, to rain, and I felt no harm, and there was no slaughter in me. As I now see, because the spirit within me was then fervent. So now we've moved on to the Holy Spirit, like the spirit driving Jesus into the desert to be tested. The spirit was praying in Patrick. Mm. And um, so, to shorten the story, John, Patrick, of course, was um, got back to England mm. after six years. He got back to his family. He was delighted. He didn't want to leave his family, John. That was a big thing. He yeah, was so, his parents were so happy to see him. Mm. They didn't want to see him go. And um, again, to prayer, Patrick felt the call of the Irish. And there I saw in the night the vision of a man whose name was Victoricus. That's his angel, I believe, John. That's what he got, the angel. Coming, yeah. as it were, from Ireland with countless letters. And he gave me one of them. And I read the opening words of the letter, which were the voice of the Irish. And as I read the beginning of the letter, I thought that at the same moment I heard their voice. They were beside the wood of Vaclet, which is near the western sea. And thus they cried out as with one mouth, we asked you by, come and walk once more with us. And you know, Michael, you mentioned prayer early on. And I was just reading something else in preparation for this programme too. And one of the things that I, that I, that I picked up there was around Patrick's prayer life. It was not a desire to convince God to give him something. Not a sense of, obliga- of obligation to fulfil. Nor an attempt to earn good standing with God. And not a plan to impress people. Patrick simply wanted to spend time communicating with God because he loved being in God's company. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that lovely? Beautiful. Well, I suppose, John, if you were up on the hillsides there in freezing cold nights, if you were up on the hillside there last week, you know, <laughs> yeah. there wasn't much distraction. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. one thing I saw in the, the confession was that God said to him, you will do well to fast. And I was thinking to myself, what could Patrick give up? <laughs> so, True. Yeah. He couldn't give up the, the cigarettes <laughs> or the chocolates no. or the sweets. Um, but he was asked to fast. I mean, he was barely surviving as it was, I'd say, being a slave, you know what I mean? But he was still asked to fast, and he, he did fast. And, of course, we have today St. Parker's uh, his purgatory in um, Cork Patrick as well, of course. Yeah, yeah the, I suppose the thing is, the, as, as Michael said, the, the story of Patrick and where he's associated with is is not is not clear cut because obviously it, it is so it is so long ago. But generally, um, Schliefmisch is the place associated with his time as as serving uh, in as as a slave in Ireland. But of course, there are many high places in the country, of course, that are associated with him. Of course, Crow Patrick being the most obvious up in County Mayo. But even in Limerick, there are one or two places that are associated with him. Although it's not clear if Patrick ever came this far south. Um, because of course, one of the things with Patrick is that the tradition of evangelization uh, became very strongly associated with him uh, um, because of the work that he did. But it's not exactly clear, of course, that he did. He visited all thirty-two counties, if you like. But he, he's he's I suppose he's associated with the tradition and people that were his his disciples, if you like. Uh, which continued his work of the first evangelization of the faith in in the country, but as Mike said, of course, it's it's an interesting one always to remember that Patrick and the association with St. Patrick's Day uh, is something which I suppose we have to be very clear about because more and more it's been secularized and seen as very much a cultural expression, um, and which isn't which isn't quite um, correct, I suppose, in some respects. Um, and it's also an ironic thing in many respects. In a in a in a in a push at the moment where there's a more clear call 
for a separation of church and state, you see uh, the state kind of hijacking what is in effect a religious festival, um, you know, in many respects, um, if, because after all, it is St. Patrick's Day, um, you know, and it commemorates uh, the bringing of the Christian faith to this country by a particular man. And the, the irony, of course, of it is that, you know, uh, we live in a time when more and more the Christian faith, uh, some in society seek to sideline side, side it in many ways, both from our schools, but in public discourse, um, and also just overall just kind of to degenerate and to castigate those that practice the faith. And I suppose in many respects, the, the, the day calls for us, particularly in the current climate where now after we've received the the ruling of the Supreme Court on recent cases and, of course, the beginning of the, the formal launch of the of the constitutional referendum campaigns, that more and more, I suppose, Irish people would turn and seek the intercession of St. Patrick at this difficult time. You know, a man that, as, as, as Mike said, you know, the, the association is he heard the call of the Irish. He very much, even in his confessio and in the right, other writings that we have of him, including his, his letter, uh, very much his love of the people of Ireland is what came across more and more. It comes, it's very evident from when you actually read what what is left. And it's, you know, in many respects, it's it's unique in that regard. You know, you have different saints associated with different countries. So, for example, if you take uh, ourselves, we have, we have St. Patrick. If you take St. David in Wales, you have St. Andrew in Scotland, and you have St. George in England. And of the four, of those four countries and their four patron saints, Patrick is the one that we are most certain of because we have something from his own hand. Um, the association, for example, of St. George is not very clear with England, um, very much associated with potentially returning crusaders, uh, bringing back the devotion to St. George after the Crusades. Uh, St. David, yes, there is a bit more contingency and more dedication to that he existed. The, con- the connection between um, St. Andrew and Scotland is, is not 100% clear. But what we have and what we are very lucky to have is that we have these writings of St. Patrick himself. And a couple of years ago, the Royal Irish Academy published online uh, a new and renewed translation of the Confessio in particular. And the Confessio comes down to us because it was contained in what was called the Book of Armagh which uh, tradition has as the writings, obviously, associated with our maths, as the prime, as the sea, as the place where Patrick was based. And, of course, is one of the reasons why the Archbishop of Armagh today is uh, the president of the Irish Bishops' Conference and, in tradition, generally holds a red hat as a cardinal for the Catholic Church as well. But even in the Church of Ireland, the, the primate is, uh, is the Archbishop of Armagh as well. So maintaining that tradition, maintaining that link, to what is called the early early Celtic Church, and it's 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 as 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 Mike said, you know, while certain things are unclear, like we don't know exactly the day or place of his birth, we don't know whether or not he was Scots, whether he was Welsh, whether he was Cornish, whether he was from France, uh, whether he was English. Um, uh, we, it's it's not one hundred percent clear. The tradition is he came from a Roman family, probably possibly his grandfather was a priest or bishop, his father was a priest or bishop. Uh, which would have been which would have been common for the time uh, before the introduction of the discipline of clerical celibacy. It would have followed in the family. Um, you know, so we're not we're not even sure where he's from or when he was born. We're not one hundred percent sure even when he died. Dates vary from four sixty one to four eighty. Um, but it's it is the idea, and I suppose it is the tradition that surrounds the what is what is involved, which is the preaching of the Christian faith 
uh, to a pre-Christian culture in Ireland, um, an island which had not uh, fallen within the remit of the Roman Empire. And so, for, for you know, it was a, a, it was mission territory, true mission territory in many regards. And it was interesting, of course, the fact that the the faith was preached, and it was so, it. What stands out is the fact that it was adapted and assimilated so quickly. That's that's I suppose is one of the things that makes it stand out. Like why why was Patrick's mission to the Irish so successful? And that is the question, you know, in terms of why the evangelization, because within a matter of 200 years, uh, 250 to 300 years, you had a scenario where you had Irish monks uh, from Irish monasteries in the Celtic tradition going back to the continent and preaching the faith to areas that had become, um, the term is barbarian, but if you like, pagan after the fall of the Roman Empire. You know, and that is where that whole tradition came out of, of Ireland being the Isle of Saints and Scholars, because in the darkness of the fall of the Roman Empire, the, you know, keeping alive that flicker of uh, education, humanities, literature, faith, um, fell on what were outpost monasteries, outposts on the edges of Europe. And it's something, I suppose, that we need to think about today because, you know, we face a challenge in terms of Brexit. And, you know, in terms of, OK, we're once again a small island on the edge of Europe. And what can we contribute to that whole discussion of what it means to be European? What does it mean to be part of the family of Europe? And to contribute to 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 that discussion, um, and looking at it through the lens and through the history of what it is that no matter what way you turn and twist, Irish culture and Irish tradition, which is native to this island, has come out of a Christian tradition. Because to degenerate and to ignore it is to basically just ignore reality. It is it is our history, particularly over the last sixteen hundred years is from and has to be seen through a Christian lens because the impact of Christianity, the impact on its people, the development of our culture, the history of our writing, the development of our arts uh, were used very much to explore and enhance and uh, uh, interrogate the Christian faith that we had as a cultural, as a people. Um, so to, to ignore that is, you know, and to ignore the role of Patrick in that and to look at it only purely as a, as, as a, a secular holiday is very much to ignore the reality of what St. Patrick's Day is. Thanks, Claire, for that, Shane. And I know there was certainly a lot of uncertainties around, um, around dates and so on and so on. But there's one thing certain, Mike, that he had the voice of God to come and preach the good news. Isn't that the message? You keep speaking of the spirit... Him. Even one stage he was out of his body and he could see the spirit praying in him, like in Romans, you know, the spirit would pray yeah, yeah. in words and words we cannot understand. Yeah. But just like the, one little thing, I suppose this is what we are today when we call his mission statement. You know, we often hear mission statements yeah, today yeah. and all this. Mm. And he picks out two things from Matthew 28, 19 and Mark 16. Go therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the, name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you all days, even to the end of the world. And he says, it goes on again to Mark's Gospel, he says, He that believeth is baptized will be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. And the, the strong words in that Gospel, but that was Patrick's real mission to baptize, because ordaining priests as well, confirming ordaining priests was his huge thing, setting up the church in Ireland, all over Ireland. But there's a lovely little promise at the very end of the Confessio, and I, I love this, Jen. 
And um, I pray for those who believe and fear God, whosoever deigns to look at or receive this writing, which Patrick has seen unleavened has composed in Ireland, that no one should ever say it was my ignorance. If I did, I show forth anything, however small, according to God's good pleasure. But he says there, he'll pray for us. Anyone that looks to these, he'll pray for us. You know, we still need to ask Patrick to intercede for Ireland, for every one of us, and for all the problems we have in Ireland at the moment. And going back to prayer again, I mean, didn't he also mention, which we heard there, in the in the bit of music, the Deus Cry, St. Patrick's best place, you know, best place, where St. Patrick gave us advice or, or told us what he done. I have rise today. Through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me. If we could only take some of those prayers, Michael. God's eye to look after me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guide me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me. God's host to save me from the snares of demons, from temptations of voices, from everyone who shall wish me ill, afar and near, alone and in multitude. Isn't that our prayer all the time? And as Shane outlined, we are, of course, these days uh, facing challenges within our own country to um, to values that maybe St. Patrick certainly wouldn't have, mm-hmm. wouldn't have wished. And just one other little thing, I suppose... You know, we believe St. Patrick was buried in Down Patrick mm. and which Bridget and Colm killed. There's a poem I think to commemorate three saints in the one grave. And I've always said it's in my to-do list chance to go to Down Patrick, but I haven't been there yet. But, uh, because we believe he died on the 17th of March. You know, mm. That's what we're celebrating next Saturday. So, If St. Patrick uh, was round today, Michael, what would he be saying to us? I suppose, John, the beating is the gospel he, the, he preached. I, Patrick, is in We need to turn to Jesus, confess our sins, unload our worries, our burdens to Him, and claim our inheritance, John, as children of God. Because that's what we are, heirs to the kingdom of heaven. And um, it's so sad when people reject it. It's not difficult if we just open our hearts to God, confess our sins. I always remember Father Jack McCardle said one thing there's two conditions to go to heaven, he said. One is to be a sinner, he said, and the other one is to know it, he said. Ah, yeah. <laughs> now, Patrick knew he was a sinner. I, Patrick, a sinner. You know. And mm. um, you know, religion is, should be joyful and happy, John. Not a burden on anyone, do you know? No. This impression that sometimes it's a burden. It's not. We should be dancing in the seas, like there will be next Saturday, but for different reasons. Yes. We yes. should be out there dancing and singing that we are saved, that Jesus has saved us. He's died at the cross for us. And for some reason, we you know, we sometimes don't take that on board because maybe we're listening to other voices and so on and so forth. Shane, what would you, what do you think St. Patrick would say to us today? It's that challenge, I suppose, to 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 rediscover the the simplicity, as John said, as Mike said rather, of the faith, but also the joy of it. Because one thing I suppose that every that many stories associated with Patrick and even his writings it comes across is the joy of the faith. And I think, I think for many of us, that's the problem at the moment, that there is a, there's, there's, there's a lack or there's a, a missing something there in terms of understanding or appreciating or valuing the joy that faith is supposed to bring. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's just, it, I think that would be one of the things he would focus on. 
And so with that, maybe we'll go for our second piece of music. And um, the piece of music that I decided um, I'd give a go today would be one, Hans certainly likes this one. It's entitled Be Thou My Vision, and it's by David Arkinson. And maybe this might be something to reflect on after the, after the lad's um, reflection there. Be Thou My Vision. Sir 